There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, the drive. Hello and welcome to the Power Chord Hour podcast, episode 14. I'm your host, Anthony Merchant. As always, thanking you so much for checking out yet another episode of the podcast. And, uh, you know, we had two for you last week. If you've not checked them out yet, go check those out if you're just kind of stuck at home or whatever. We got top five Blink-182 songs with my buddies Zach Gorsheski and Kyle Steven, who uh, we'll definitely both have on the show again. And uh, also record another episode with uh, Zach not too long ago which will be coming out in the coming weeks. That's another uh, another nice long-form one for you, another top five as well. And uh, I'll just kind of leave it at that, kind of tease it a little. And uh, we also had March Rundown, which uh, I talked about my favorite releases of March and some of the music news. So, I mean, if you have not checked those out yet, including the March Rundown, you know, maybe go discover some uh, new music while you're bored in the house. But if you did listen to that episode, you probably heard me say that, uh, I mean, the Bomb Pops new album, Death in Venice Beach, one of my favorite records to come out this year already. And uh, I would say the other one, I would say my top two albums to come out so far, Death in Venice Beach by the Bomb Pops and uh, the Suicide Machines Revolution Spring. I mean, this record, like, I love the Suicide Machines. And I mean, you know, people people put out new records and, and you start going like, oh, yeah, you know, it's best since this or that. So, this is like one of their greatest records and like you you don't even have to compare it to anything. I mean, it definitely, it does have like a destruction by definition vibe to a sense, but I also don't want to use that because it almost sounds like I'm saying they went back and ripped themselves off because they didn't. It has just, it's a great punk ska record. It sounds like destruction by definition in that sense that both are just really, really good ska punk. And uh, I mean, on this one, they just outdid themselves. I mean, I'm putting, I'm already, this album's been out like, I don't know, a few weeks now, and I'm already putting it in my top three. I mean, I, I'm putting this up there with Destruction by Definition, Battle Hymns, and now Revolution Spring is my top three Suicide Machines records. So that lets you know how good it is. And, uh, you know, I bring this all up because I'm very stoked because today our guest is Jason Navarro, frontman of the Suicide Machines, uh, a band a band that I've loved now for, for quite a while, not as long as they've been around, though. I mean, They've been a band, I think they started in 90 or 91, I want to say. So they started a year or two before I was even born. But uh, I jumped on board. It was like 2013. And <laughs> if you listen to this podcast, I feel like JT get, from Hawthorne Heights gets brought up a, a lot. The singer of Hawthorne Heights gets brought up on this show and the radio show a lot, like in the last four years, actually. And uh, I got to have him on as a guest sometime. But anyways... He got me into the Suicide Machines. That's why he's always getting brought up because JT Woodruff from Hawthorne Heights has gotten me into like so many bands and like just really like from everywhere. Like he got me into Bruce Springsteen and the Suicide Machines as well. And uh, another Detroit band he got me into is Horse as well, which is so, I mean, Horse is a band you should go check out. I, I try to spread the good word of Horse to everyone I can because that's a that's a pretty obscure kind of unknown band from the 90s and then one record come out but JT is really good at that so anyways 2013 JT told me to go check out Destruction by Definition and Battle Hymns and uh, I did I checked out the first two Suicide Machines records I was hooked from there so uh, I've been a fan now for what would that be seven seven or eight years now and uh, you know this was just awesome to do and I, I also mentioned it in the interview but about five years ago now I had probably the most punk Easter I've, I've ever had because I drove I drove five hours from where I live 
to Syracuse to go see the Suicide Machines play Destruction by Definition uh, with uh, Derek Grant, who you know was their original drummer, and if you don't know, is also the drummer of Alkaline Trio and has been now for like, I believe he joined in Good Morning. So, I mean, he, he's been the drummer of Alkaline Trio now for damn near 20 years, but uh, he was back with the band playing with them. So, I mean, I, I had to go I had to go see them play that record. So, yeah, drove drove five hours on Easter to go see them play that at a little dive bar called The Lost Horizon, I believe, in uh, Syracuse. And it's right next door to this really shady strip club. And uh, it, it was a it was a very punk Easter. I, I also uh, I, I guess it's pretty regional, but uh, I, I enjoyed Mighty Taco on the way there. That was my Easter meal. I stopped in Buffalo and got some uh, Mighty Tacos. That was a pretty damn punk Easter, if I do say so myself. But a huge fan is what I'm getting at. Huge, huge fan of uh, Jason Navarro and the Suicide Machines, plus all his other bands. I mean, the, the man is in tons and tons of bands. He does tons and tons of stuff. I mean, even even now, as you'll hear, he's working on new music, even though the Suicide Machines just put out a new record, you know, just a few weeks ago. So this is pretty cool. And before we get into the interview, I do have a few sponsors to thank. And uh, we'll start with Coronavirus Morning Report. You should definitely go check them out. Are you one of those people losing sleep, distracted from work because you're nervously refreshing coronavirus news all day long? I feel like a lot of people are doing that right now. Instead of doing that, go check this out. Subscribe to the Coronavirus Morning Report, and every morning in a short 15 to 20 minutes, nice, short, and sweet, it's all the latest news that you need to know in quick podcast form. Stay up to date. The New Yorker magazine called it one of the top coronavirus podcasts to listen to, saying it stays on the right side of informed, non-hysterical, and focused, which is important right now because you need to know what's going on, but you don't need to you know, do the overkill and go crazy about it. So I feel like this is a good way to kind of digest that information. So go search your podcast app right now and subscribe to the Coronavirus Morning Report. So I want you to go check out Fruit of the Bean Coffee, and right now their coffee stimulus package is here. It's here to help in this current financial environment, and Fruit of the Bean Coffee is marking their coffee down 20% for the next couple months to help out everyone who is feeling the pinch. You know, that's one of those things you still need. There, there's still things you need right now, you know, during all this, and I would say one is coffee. I definitely know I do. So this is kind of nice, you know I mean? You still go get coffee, but uh, save a little money because obviously that's what everyone's trying to do right now. And uh, this is good. This is really good fresh coffee. Your coffee is not roasted until after you order it. 10% of net profits are going to go to support orphans and those affected by human trafficking. So they're also helping out a very good cause there. And uh, like I said, you know, they're offering their coffee at 20% off until further notice while, uh, you know, we work through this health and financial turbulence. So go check that out. That is Fruit of the Bean Coffee. And yeah, I want to thank my my two uh, sponsors today. So right now, I hope you enjoy this as much as I enjoyed doing it. Here's my interview with Jason Navarro of The Suicide Machines, Break Anchor, Hellmouth, Jay Navarro and the Traders, all that good stuff right here on the Power Chord Hour podcast. Right now on the Power Chord Hour, we're talking to Jason Navarro, frontman of the Suicide Machines. The band just released their seventh record and first in 15 years is Revolution Spring. So we're going to talk about that new record and a little bit more. Jason, how are you? Uh, I'm doing good. Just uh, caffeined out of my mind. <laughs> uh, last day of work. Yeah, there's no more work left in Detroit because of the virus. So I'm going to have a long, long vacation. Ooh, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't sound great. Kind of a mm, unwanted vacation. Unwanted, but you know what? Maybe needed. Fair enough. Yeah, that's probably the best way. That's probably the best way to look at this shit going on right now is kind of in that way. That's probably a better kind of you know way to yeah. look at it. 
definitely have to look at it in a different way. If you look at it in a negative way, you're just going to fall into that hole. So, Yeah, understandable. So, I mean, let's uh, let's talk about the new record. You know, like I mentioned, this is the first Suicide Machines album in 15 years. I loved it right away by by the first listen. I mean, I thought it was absolutely great. You guys haven't missed a beat. But when did you start writing songs for the new album? Like, when were you finally like, all right, I'm going to write another Suicide Machines record? When did that all start? Uh, probably about three years ago. About three years it, ago? Yeah, yeah. At least, I would say, three years ago. We... Uh, demoed like four songs and three of them are really good and then you know that was it we didn't even do anything for at least a year and then all of a sudden like i was like hey i i, I got a song idea and then they are like oh, i've got some music and then it just started it just snowballed man like i think that's kind of how it happens with us all of a sudden we have these little spurts where we just it goes and then we stop and then we wait a while and then when the inspiration like hits again it, it works you know what i mean like we, we trashed a lot of songs but it was like uh one, once you get going it, it just doesn't stop and then it'll stop once it or it does stop but like you know you'll write a bunch and then you stop for a while that's kind of how we work you know so so you kind of do them then so these were all kind of like bursts of songs and you'd kind of write like i don't know maybe a handful here then a handful there because, I mean, there's a bunch. Of, I mean, it is a 16-song record, so there's quite a few songs on here. Yeah, we wrote, like, 28 or 30, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and then we just kind of let, uh, like, we picked the ones we liked, and then, like, Mark Klinger from The Code and then Roger Lima kind of all picked the ones they liked, too. And then we said, all right, these are the 16 we picked out of it. So, yeah, yeah. there was a lot. For you, for you writing songs, I mean, because you're in the Suicide Machines, but you have, I mean, you got Break Anchor, you got Hellmouth, you got Jay Navarro and the Traders. When you're writing songs, like, I mean, how soon when you're writing them do you know what band it's for, or or do you right away? Well, I the 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 toughest ones. I mean, obviously Hellmouth, it doesn't matter. I know what's gonna be Hellmouth, so that's not really in the mix. Uh, I have to be really careful about what is especially for the traders and the suicide machines, because one is more like a two-tone kind of the clash meets two-tone ska and reggae. So it's like in the same world as, you know, ska punk. So I have to kind of worry about that a little bit. I kind of, when I hear break anchor, like when I'm writing, I almost envision Kyle singing before I envision myself singing. So a lot of times I'll like, it comes to me right away if I'm writing something and I hear it, 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 I'll be like, oh, yes, yeah, Kyle's going to sing this great, you know? Like, I, I try to keep them separate that way. But the funny part is, is every single one of my bands, if you go through all of our records, there are references to each other. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah, you got to really pick through the lyrics to find them all. But there's, I tie everything I've always done in together in some way or other. So the only band I ever did before that has never done that was I did a band called uh, Roosevelt Inaugural Parade, but all I ever did was play guitar in that band, so that's probably why I could never tie it in. But yeah, every band that I actually wrote in, there's always some small tie-in somehow. Oh, wow, that's interesting. I mean, like yep. like for songs for Break Anchor, then, have you ever had anywhere, like you, like you said, you kind of imagined Kyle singing them. Do you ever have it where you listen to it and you kind of realize you sound bet like it would work better in your voice and then you kind of use that for like suicide machines you ever done anything like that 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like there's um like a weird singles collection for Break Anchor. And I wrote a song called Defiant Culture. And hold on, let me turn my room. I'm sorry about that. Long story short is a long time ago, an activist friend of mine, I don't like using that word, but like, I guess that's what you, you would call him. And I did this thing called Defiant Culture where we did things like, well, we did like, most recently we did like water drives for Flint and stuff like that. But like we would book shows, book artists or poets and stuff like in DIY spaces and then break anchor became a thing and i had the song written forever for the suicide machines and it just like the machines weren't doing anything so i took it and used it for break anchor and then it just kind of didn't really go anywhere and i should have maybe known better that it was like you know what i mean like that was one of the instances of like you know what that was would have been better suited there instead yeah 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 and especially like the idea and the love i have for this friend of mine and what we did together and i kind of didn't want it to just go unheard or kind of like to the wayside yeah because the the collective we had in him were so important to me like you, you the the next time around with revolution spring we have potter song that's matt potter that's the activist i did stuff with who i love like you know part of my own family and uh and i felt like the message is a little bit more important so half those lyrics are like a break anchor song which originally i felt like should have been the machine song so, like, if you go through Traders, there's references. Uh, even Hellmouth has references to the suicide machines. Like, it's all mixed in there. You just got to dig and find. That's interesting as a fan. I, I, I'm sure other people go check that out, too. Now now knowing that, I had no clue. Do you still do, you still do that with him at all, the uh, the side project, like, for for things like that? Uh, I have – he – I would – no, he's – if he haven't done anything in a long time, he lives up, up in Flint. And I live down here in Detroit and, uh, like, you know, he's got like a family now and, and he's still involved. I mean, he was very, very involved in things like, you know, Occupy Wall Street, New York City and, and all kinds of stuff. Like he's pretty hardcore activist, you know, in, in around the city of Flint. So he still does stuff up there, you know, for sure. But down here, I kind of I do my own thing. You know, I, I don't like using the word activist for either of us. We're just doing what. Just common sense and like the good thing to do. Yeah, you're not doing it for show, basically. It sounds like right. Well, like you know, doing something like feeding the homeless with food not class, like that's not a a political statement to me. Even though some of the people in the collective may view it as that, I, I don't. I just view it as common sense and trying to help people because I have the opportunity to do so. You know, so. So him and I do our own things and we're still like best friends to this day. It's just, he does more up there and I do more down here, you know? Oh, that's cool. That's uh, that's neat. You do. I mean, it's very noble too. You do all that stuff. I think that's very, uh, it's very cool what you do. Um, you know, talking about the new record, where did you guys record this? I know you recorded in Michigan, but where was it recorded at? It was recorded out in the woods in Fenton, Michigan, uh, at Mark Jacob Hudson's house. He is uh, the bass player for Laura Jane Grace and the Devouring Mothers. Oh, nice. Uh, he's a, yeah, he's a dear old friend of mine, and he's originally from Flint. And I used to play at a, a DIY collective all the time down there. And above the DIY collective, uh, he had a recording studio, too. So I've known him kind of because he's been in bands and, and all of that over the years. And um, 
Yeah, up at his place, up in the woods in Fenton, Michigan. Actually, Ro- I guess it would be Rose Township. I don't even think it's considered Fenton, actually. But yeah, out in the woods, man. Nice. Do you like? Yeah, it was cool. You like that, like not having the distractions, like being somewhere yep. like that. Because I assume there's not much else to do. Basically, record a record, and that's about it out there. Yep. No. You. You know. You grab a bunch of liquor and weed and hallucinogens, <laughs> and you lock yourself in there and. Or whoever does what they want to do, and then you just you hang out and you let the collective juices flow and kind of influence each other. And that's where I did the the last break anchor record and all the Hellmouth records, and I've done all my recording up, even the the last uh, Jane Brown the Traders EP. Like everything I've done is in the past. I don't even know how many years has all been done up at Mark's place. Oh wow, that's cool. It it seems to work. I I've. Uh... I definitely like that stuff that you've recorded up there. That that seems to work the uh, kind of isolation, if you will. I know, like you mentioned earlier, Roger from Less Than Jake produced this one. How'd you end up going with Roger? Uh, you, you know what? Like, I knew how I knew he's done some really good stuff as far as work with bands, and I felt like the the weakest suit that I was going into, or the weakest I'm not suit the the weakest link in the band I felt like for this, all these new songs was me. Like I wrote good lyrics and I I wrote pretty good hooks, but I felt like I really wanted someone there to push me and to make me sing better and me work on harmonies. Maybe I didn't hear, you know, cause it was pretty melodic. I already knew it was very melodic because we had all the songs well-written. He didn't have a huge part in writing and arranging, maybe a little bit, but not very much, but it was more like, I know he knows how to record a band and make it sound like the band. Yeah, which is important. Right, and I also knew that he could completely push me on vocals. And I 100% wanted him to produce it right off the bat, and I didn't know if he would, and I called him up, and he was like, you gotta be kidding me, dude. We've been friends for a billion freaking years. I'm way in, dude. Let's do it, you know? And it was kind of like keeping it in the family, too, because, I mean... They started right around the same time we did. I mean, I remember meeting them, playing with them in Hamtramck, like I think on their very first tour. Nice. I don't even know a year that could have been, what, 92? That's when they started was 92. 92, 93, I think maybe is when we met. And we've all been friends like ever since, you know? So it was just like if you think about – We've, we've tried to keep everything in the family, I guess, in the past, I don't know how many years. That's why there's weird lyrical references in all the bands. Like, we're all really good friends. Every dude in Break Anchor has all hung out with the Machines guys or the Hellmouth guys. The Hellmouth guys have all hung out with the Machines guys. The Traders guys all know the, the Suicide Machines guys. Like, it's kind of like a one big weird family. And Roger's kind of always been in that circle with the Machines. So, definitely why we got him to come up here and do it and what's he like as a producer i mean is he pretty he seems like he'd be pretty laid back but i mean maybe maybe i'm wrong how is he oh no no no, <laughs> no he, he'll he will crack the whip and make you do it and do it right oh shit 100 you know I mean? make you do it right and then he and he really was like he was integral in making that album sound like big i I'd, guess you could say he was successful i'd say i mean it sounds great yeah, he brought in like all of his own amplifiers and stuff down from Florida, certain guitars and all kinds of crazy like stuff he wanted to use as far as like um, filling up the record to make it sound bigger. And 
he had all the, like he had a couple other extra like guitar parts written like like i said with the har- like harmonies like kind of like teaching me like or not teaching me but like showing me what the harmony should be and letting me hear it when i didn't hear it like he was a big part of making that album sound mm, like sonically the way it does you know what i mean like i don't yeah. think there could have been any other person to have produced that album than him Oh, I think he I think he did a great job on it. I mean, it sound it sounds like too then having basically I mean, say like a contemporary there kind of pushing you to do your you know what I mean? Like it sounds like he kind of pushed you to do your best when you were there. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, and the thing was is we all know him and, and love him and respect him. So it was like he could see our opinions and we could see his. You know what I mean? But most people would come in and we might be resistant to their opinions it was easier to hear it from him basically it was it was very easy to hear it from him like yeah i don't think so this sucks you know what i mean (laughs) like yep okay yeah like you know what i mean like it was like something that i don't think anyone else could have produced the record but him that that's pretty cool and how long did you say you guys recorded that for you know i don't remember i feel like it was 12 days maybe or something 12 days maybe i don't know we didn't kill ourselves like it would be like nine or 10 o'clock at night and everyone would be fried. Maybe like, yeah, let's call it night. I know you mentioned like, you guys probably wrote like 30 songs for the record. Were uh, like of all those, did you record and demo all of those? Or did you kind of cut some of those before it even got to like demoing? Oh, uh, we demoed everything. I think Oh, you well, did demo everything. we demoed, I would say we, we easily, we must've demoed 28, 29 songs. Oh, wow. Um, I'm not sure we cut a lot of ideas that, never really kind of get turned into songs. Um, there might even be a few demos of, of those two, but like with lyrics, there was 28 with lyrics. Oh, wow. So, yep. There's demos. And then, you know, the band, this is the band's first release on a uh, fat records, but I was going to ask, I mean, has there ever been in the past, like, was there ever a time where you were at least almost going to sign with them? Like I'm almost, I was thinking about, it, I'm almost surprised it's been this long. Like, I feel like you always would have been a great fit on the label. Oh, uh, that's cool, man. No, uh, you know, it was funny because I, we got like a rejection letter before from Lookout. That was pretty, <laughs> pretty funny. Like they rejected us. But uh, no, nah, you know, I don't know, man. Like I kind of like picked Mike's brain. I was like, hey, we got some songs. I think we're going to do a record, you know, and that's the kind of the thing about Mike, too. You don't know he's going to be like, yeah, I don't think so. This shit sucks. You know, <laughs> he'll be and, honest. Uh, right, right. You know, and, and um. He's like, send me, send me an air in the demos and I'll play it for everyone here, you know? And, and, uh, we had, we had sent demos to Tim, uh, from, uh, uh, Hellcat records too. And, uh, and I don't know, I think just like, uh, we're, we, we know Mike a little better and it was just like, it just felt more comfortable, I guess you could say. Like, I don't know. It just seemed like fat was the right choice. That's all. Uh, it was funny because we had sent him the songs and he was like, god can i can i pick like can i pick some songs there's too many good ones like you guys because we sent them all like god, we easily we had to have sent them 27 songs or something i think is what it was oh wow and he, and he was like dude these are all pretty good like how are you gonna narrow it down like can i help pick and we're just like eh, i think we got it but you can throw in your you know opinion too if you want like tell us what's good and he pretty much picked all the same songs that got picked anyway so reassurance then and you know they're yeah. at least good you know well i mean he i mean i remember him saying like wow i was really surprised you gave us something that didn't suck so <laughs> or, something, <laughs> or something to the to that effect there's that honesty 
<laughs> yeah, like, wow, this is actually really good. <laughs> like, I'm surprised it's good. I can't remember what the heck he, he said. I, I don't know. Something fat Mike-ish. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and Aaron really was, like, backing it, too. So. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's that's kind of how it worked. I, I don't know why we never did anything with fat. I think, like, right when we left Hollywood, we knew we had – the opportunity to go with side one and the uh, Capitol records had kind of thrown in their head in the, in there too. And we just, we'd had enough of being on a major. Yeah. You know? I mean, like, I, I guess I, I would assume then it wasn't all favorable, but I mean, what, what is your opinion then? Like your time on a major, I, w- I would kind of like, I would be interested in hearing that. Like, I mean, were, were there perks to it or was it all fairly like, you know, kind of, oh, no, dude, shitty? it was like a, it was like an endless, pot of money for us to take from that we never paid back you know? <laughs> oh that rules yeah it wasn't bad we'd be in europe touring squats for seven weeks getting a hundred bucks a night if we we're lucky we'd just be like hey need to send us some money so we can survive and they'd be like all right cool here's twenty thousand dollars like <laughs> oh shit okay, cool there's our fucking there's our there's our tour you know what i mean like we never paid you know freaking penny back that's pretty I mean, nice w- you know it um I mean, obviously, they've probably sold an f- in- insane amount of records. I think the last rumor it was it was at five hundred thousand on that first record. But oh, really? So that should be gold. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Who knows? I think they. Don't, I think there's such in such chaos at that label. They don't know what's what anymore because they've had so many people. This is where the other side of that label thing you're asking me about comes in. Like we suffered the same fate that you hear about in every band's like story that is on a major, like everyone got fired from the label, a whole new bunch of people came in and they didn't care about like whatever bands used to be on or were the first wave of bands on. Like, you you know what I'm saying? Like they, the next people that get hired all in, were just like, Oh, those are the old bands. Yeah. Like the guy who signs you is all of a sudden gone. So it's like everyone who was on your side is like, well, now we're just kind of left out here and no one really gives a shit anymore. Right, exactly, and and kind of like our producer wanted us to come to Capitol Records because he had left too, and you know I don't know we just kind of and it has nothing to do with him. He was actually a really awesome guy. It just uh, it just you know such a shaky ride the last couple of records uh, being on Hollywood that we were we were just like it was nice because there's always money. Yeah, that that's definitely including being in a band. Yeah, that's uh that's definitely nice to have, you know. Yeah, yeah, there's always there's always money and it just we decided that you know, our career was going down the tubes. Half of it had to do with the fact that or I don't even know if you want to call it a career, whatever the hell you want to call it, but it was going you just like it was getting worse with every record. We weren't writing very good records either to say the least, but uh we we had already started writing uh, some songs for Imagine Some Gasoline, and, and Dan and I, we wrote that whole record, him and I both. I actually really loved that record that came out on Sideburn Dummies, Imagine Some Gasoline, but we knew we had a good punk record, and we were just like, this record's too punk to be on Capitol anyways. It's like pretty punk, you know? And, and yeah. so um, our my old friend Joe Sid, who I've been friends with for a gazillion years, um was running side one and he hit us up and said, yeah, we got money for you to record and we handed in a record and it was, everything went really well. The first record, you know? Yeah. 
went great and then like the second record the band was pretty much like falling apart anyways so the the record vibe wasn't there we definitely were all disliking each other i think everything was just too angry and bitter and we broke up like basically right after we handed that record in so it gave no chance for the label to even like you know do anything with it so it's not necessarily their fault but it kind of like it was dead in the water when you were recording it, I mean, were you were you all pretty aware, like, okay, once this is done, like, we're we're over? I mean, did you know that while recording it? No, I didn't know it, but I, I knew that I was starting to miss home, I was starting to miss my kids, and it just wasn't worth the fighting anymore, you know? That makes like, sense, kind of get a move on. Yeah, and it was just getting worse and worse, and we kept losing members, uh, you know, all over again. Like, we lost the first couple of members, and then we got new members rich and ryan who stayed with us forever and then we lost them again you know and i mean i'm not going to sit here and point fingers I, I know i'm a difficult person but everyone had a really hard time getting along with the old guitar player pretty much everybody who's left the band i mean i can't speak for those people but unfortunately i know the facts now everybody who always left our band left because they could not get along with our guitar player really so, yep I mean, that could be another reason why this new record is so good. Everyone in the band is getting along so insanely well. It's and which and, has never really happened in this band. <laughs> well, and what is his name? Dan, right? Dan's the guitar yeah. player. Yeah, this he is was, yeah. this is his uh, or no? I'm sorry, not. I mean, now currently, Justin. A, okay, Justin. Yeah, this is his first. I know he's been in the band for quite a while, but this is his first studio recording with you guys, right? He, yeah, he's been playing with us for 12 years. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I know he's not really, like, the new guy, per se, but it's the first time, rec- you know, first album since he's been in yeah. the band. Yeah, the only other thing we ever recorded with him is we did uh, the Grinch theme song for, like, a punk Christmas album or something. Oh, but... I want to hear that. I've never heard that. Yeah, we did the Grinch theme or whatever it is. Pretty much in, like, Suicide Machines fashion? Oh, yeah. 100%. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I will have yeah. to go listen to that. Yeah. Yeah, it's on YouTube. It's it's it was fun. Like I kind of sat there with an acoustic guitar one day because they'd asked us to do a Christmas song, and my kids love the Grinch, so I was playing it on my acoustic, and I was like, "Oh man, dude, I can, this is easily a Scott Punk song." So <laughs> nice. I brought it up to those guys and kind of showed them my idea of how to arrange it, and then it just went crazy. So it's there's like even there's a a nod to black flag in there actually <laughs> okay I, re- I really i really have to listen to this after the interview's over right that'd be the first thing i do is go check this out yeah dude i think that that might actually been the, the big spark to be honest with you for like recording I mean, yeah no i think about it oh shit that's pretty yeah. cool yeah it came out really cool and it's actually the trombone player that's on it is uh the trombone player for uh the traders oh nice and and i think i don't know friend alex played keyboards on it my bad but yeah it was like so as usual keep it in the family you know <laughs> yeah per- that is perfect and you know i i mean we're kind of talking about it so it's kind of a good transition into this but releasing a suicide machines album in 2020 is compared to you know 15 20 years ago I mean, do you feel less stress and less pressure putting out new music? Is it kind of more fun now? I mean, by the by the sounds of it, I'm kind of getting that. Well, you know, you got to understand, I don't, none of us, uh, th- we don't do this for a living. So I think that maybe that pressure is not there at all. So we really could kind of just 
do it however we wanted in no time frame and uh yeah there's just i don't know it and we like i said the the non-time frame it just was like waiting for the the songs to hit like oh yep this is a good one this one feels good you know what i mean we had that i think a lot of bands don't get that luxury that are the ones that have to uh you know do this for a living like every two years you got to put out a new record yeah like not having that in like attached to us at all i think it could have been a huge part of it i don't know it sounds it sounds pretty natural to me or something i can't i'm not really sure how to explain it but i don't feel like there was no that which which that seems like a good that seems like a good thing and also i mean as a fan perspective, I would rather it take however long it takes to, like like you said, get a bunch of batch of songs and get the best ones instead of going, all right, let's go shit out a record. It's like time to time to put out a reunion record. doesn't matter. It's like we're just going to record 12 songs and put out whatever it is. I, I'd much rather like that where, hey, we have a really good collection of songs, time for a new record, you know, when it's, when it's like, appropriate. Yeah, and you know what, I... Everyone's like, oh, my God, aren't you worried your album's not going to sell because this virus and this whole thing's going on and you guys can't play? And I'm kind of like, no, you know, and I, I think it came out at, at, at the perfect time. And everyone's like, well, what do you, you know, a couple people are like, what do you mean by that? I'm like, you know, I think everyone needs a moment to escape from this for like 30 minutes. Maybe oh, put absolutely. them in a little bit better of a mood and get their mind off it or away from it. And, you know, it's, will it hurt people buying it? Yeah, probably. But you know what? They can listen to it online somewhere. Maybe you can get them through a few minutes of the day right now in this situation, you know. Yeah, and when you guys like when you guys got back together in two thousand nine, I mean, was it ever a plan to continue this, put out music, and keep doing shows? Or I mean, was that all supposed to kind of be a one off? No, when we originally got back together, that actually I think the first time we got back together was two thousand six. Oh, uh, even act- earlier. Yeah, an activist friend of mine um, had been caught. He was in a an affinity group, which is like a an anarchist group that keeps each other secret from everyone else, and they keep each other kind of secret from each other's lives a little bit. I can't explain. If you know what an affinity group is, you'd understand it. But they planted the feds planted a another anarchist that once they looked him up, it looked like he was still wanted by the police, and he kind of infiltrated their affinity group and popped all my activist friends and one of them being my old best great friend and, and roadie uh, was a crazy activist and he needed money for, he had a really good pro bono lawyer but you know that pro bono lawyer has to come all the way from you know washington dc and you know you need a lot of money to make sure that happens so we played shows in 2006 to help pay all of his you know the costs for him not to go to prison oh wow so that's kind of like what we originally kind of got it back together to do, you know? So then, that's, so it really wasn't planned that it sounds like you were just kind of doing that. And then it was like, that was it basically. Yeah. 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 That was, that was it. I think maybe a couple months before that we played our friends, uh, engagement party like in a little tiny bar with like 20 of our friends oh nice maybe too so like there's like weird moments like that we were doing things like that that a lot of people didn't know much about but you know i I don't think any of us expected to i mean we've done a couple we did like one small tour since then but 
couple tours actually, but it's not something we, I don't know. We, we don't, we never plan anything, I guess. Just kind of happens. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. Take, take what you get. No, that's cool. Yeah. Things come our way and if we can, we can, and if we can't, we can't, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe we'll try to plan a little bit of touring for this. If this whole thing ever ends, just so get <laughs> out there for, you know, a couple of weeks or something. But I mean, at this point I'm jobless. So, yeah, maybe. <laughs> time to tour. Yeah, time to fucking tour, I guess. <laughs> I know, ridiculous, right? You know, I I did want to bring up too. Uh, it was the first time I saw you guys live back in 2015 when you were doing those Destruction by Definition shows, and uh, actually, probably the greatest Easter I've ever had. I drove five hours, saw you guys play that in uh, Syracuse on Easter. It was absolutely. Oh, that- that weird little uh, the, the the Lost uh, Horizon, the one by the yeah, strip club, yeah, it was like next door old, to a strip club. <laughs> yeah, man, super old club, dude, for sure. Yeah, that that uh, was that was a good show. You know what? Enjoy it because that was like the smallest show that we've played in like years. Oh, really? Yeah, there was that was such a tiny show comparably to that whole tour and like any show we've played since man <laughs> oh really? well you are right because yeah. after that i did see you i did see you guys play the fillmore with the descendants a couple years ago in detroit and that I mean, that was obviously like way bigger than uh than yeah the lost horizon or not the whatever the hell that venue's called yeah man you know i think we actually played the strip bar years and <laughs> years and years and years ago with the descendants oh shit oh you know what used... I, I think i remember you bringing that up at the show yeah yeah years ago dude years ago like 1996 maybe or seven. Oh, that was like when they just got back like once they yeah everything sucks to her oh nice yeah dude it was at the that strip bar that was in, that was attached to it or next door or whatever just up the right around the corner or whatever kind of had like stairs leading up to the little door to get in it but yeah totally remember playing there that's that's sick. But what I, what I was going to ask, I mean, that show, you know, you guys played with Derek Grant. I thought you sounded really tight. I thought you all sounded really great. I mean, I was just wondering, like, did that all click right away? Or was there, did you have to rehearse a lot for that to happen? I mean, I know that was the first time you played with you guys in, what, I mean, like, well over 15 years. Like, did that all click right away or did that take some time? Well, that's the thing. Like, so, like, we're all friends with them. Like, even, even those guys. I think Malik didn't really know him yet. But, like, you know, Richard knew him. Ryan already knew him. You know, Ryan wouldn't want anyone to replace him in the band but Derek. You know, like, so, you know, at the time, Ryan couldn't do the tour because he'd just gotten a new job. Uh, so, I actually, we clicked, clicked really quickly. We, I think we practiced twice. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that did come pretty quick. That wasn't a... We, uh... No, not at all. You got to understand, too, like, Derek is... I don't even know, man. He's, uh, I think he's one of the top five punk rock drummers of all time. I would agree with that. It's in seeing him do that shit. Like when you guys are playing, it's like, oh my God. Like I, it's a way you don't realize just on the record. I think it's different when you're actually watching him do it. You go Mm -hmm. like, it's insane what he's doing. Yeah. He's up there with, you know, Josh Freeze, Brooks Wackerman. I, 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 I hold him up to that standard, you know? So I, I definitely put him up there. That that's cool. That clicked right away. Then I mean, I guess I guess. And you had those years of playing together too. Prior, I mean, he was in the band for a yep. good amount of time. He left because of Dan. You know, <laughs> there there we go again. Yeah, that yeah. And it sucks because it was really hard for me to lose Derek at the time because I still love Derek to this day. You know, but I knew that he couldn't take it anymore, and he wanted out. 
could you could you see yourselves at all like like I guess I guess it would be next year would be like the 25th anniversary I mean you ever see yourself doing those shows again or playing with Derek again I mean you never know Derek's played with us since um he played with us last summer oh really oh okay yeah he did one show with us last summer our our drummer uh was down in Georgia riding a bike and something happened where he flipped over the handlebars and arms uh, bones popped out of his arm oh my god oh shit okay so he couldn't play drums apparently no no he had to get reconstructive (laughs) surgery and stuff on his elbow and get his arms all put back together and stuff and you know Derek came in and sat in for him so oh that's just leave just luckily he was free like i said i don't know that we would ask anyone else to play we would have just canceled but Derek couldn't have done it Oh wow! Well, I'm I'm happy he could then, and I I think it ended up working well. I mean, like I said, you guys sounded damn good. And then yeah. you know the band just released today the uh, recording as, as we're recording this. And you guys just premiered your video for uh, to play Caesar, and mm-hmm. I was I was watching it. Really, really good live footage in there. Where where'd you guys shoot that at? Um, so like in Detroit, there's um a place that I kind of grew up around. It's been around since I can even remember in Detroit, and it's called a. Uh, the Trumbleplex, and it's um it's an old pole barn built on the back of a like a four story or no three story old Detroit home, and it's beautiful. It's just it's a total. It's like it's almost like um I don't know, I guess you could say like the Gilman Street of Detroit. But we tried it. Like I'm a little bit bummed out. It was kind of on the the tagline for the Instagram post. I don't know who made that, but I we try to keep it kind of secret. Oh, okay. Kind of not letting, uh, kind of be more in the know for it. Yeah, we try to keep it. We try to keep that place to, to like I don't know. I'm not saying that people don't know where what it is. It sounds silly to say that, but it's just it's very much a Detroit place that we we kind of keep off the the radar, you know. Oh, nice. So, nice. yeah, old DIY collective anarchist spot. So. Oh wow. And yeah. you, you said that's been there for a while and uh, kind of leads in the next thing I did want to ask going back in the beginning, like the early nineties there, what was like the ska and punk scene in Detroit? I mean, was, was there one Were there a lot of bands or there places to play? Like, what was that like when you guys started? Well, um, you know, I, when it first started there, there were, uh, there were a couple like ska, ska bands. Um, there was, Etch a sketch from Ann Arbor, which is like a really good ska, maybe more reggae influenced band. So that would probably be about, you know, 88, 1988, 89. Um, and of course, Gangster Fun, which Gangster Fun is one of the greatest ska bands of all time. Well, I'll have to go um, find, I'll have to go listen to them. Yeah, man. Uh, time Flies when it's Gangster Fun and Come See, Come Ska are like two of my favorite ska records of all time. Like, so there were people playing ska and I was kind of in this weird, like De- Detroit, you, it was, it was scary. Like when you hear all these weird old dudes in LA and New York talking about how scary LA and New York were at the time and how dangerous it was. That's legit, legitimately kind of how it was here as well. And you didn't know if you were going to get your ass handed to you or killed or who knows what was going to happen when you'd go to a punk show here, like 88, 89, you know? And and then, so I just thought that that's the way it was. And then I went and saw a gangster fun show and I was like, Oh my God, people have fun. This is a great time. This is like, I kind of just started listening to operation Ivy and the specials and fishbone, but I didn't even understand what it was. 
and I didn't know that anyone in the city had even played that kind of music. And they kind of, you know, opened that door for me. I was like, oh, it's this, this is fun. And I don't have to worry about getting killed. And other people are doing this kind of music that I don't understand what it is, but I like it. That's really and, cool. Yeah. And the same with like Etch-A-Sketch too. And then uh, there's another band from Detroit that kind of played more like the boss tones. Uh, they're called the Exceptions. Uh from here and they started right around the time that we started the suicide machine so like 1991 i would say and then right when 91 happened um 92 93 came and then all of a sudden a couple of years into the machines playing yeah there's a lot of like punk ska nice sure. it, how about how about now i mean is there still much of a uh, like punk scene there there's still places to play and whatnot oh yeah there's a super gnarly underground punk scene here for sure there's a lot of it's like a lot of more traditional ska bands in Detroit. Is that too. is that like more recent? It seems like they're like more ska bands, which is great. Like I love it, but it seems like it's popping up more and more. I mean, there are there more like kind of bands showing up the last couple of years? Yeah, yeah, for sure. A lot of really good like traditional ska's is happening all over the country. Uh, I would say, with the exception of You Dirty Rat, which is like a ska punk band, uh, everything else in Michigan is traditional. Oh, nice. That's yeah. pretty cool. So, you know, as we're as we're kind of closing things up here, obviously, you know, the new record's out for the Suicide Machines. You know, we talked about some of your other bands. I mean, anything planned for, like, Break Anchor, The Traders, or Hellmouth, anything like that? Uh, I'm working on a Traders record. Um, Hellmouth, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know that, I don't know if we'll ever play again. Nothing no? negative. We all really get along. It's just kind of like, I don't know. A lot of people don't know, like, Justin from the Suicide Machines is the drummer for Hellmouth. So, I I, I don't know. I kind of think, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I can't, I do not know what the future is for Hellmouth. It's nothing negative. We Like I said, we're all homies. I just don't know that we have any, I, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Maybe when the, 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 the right stars align, we'll do it. Nice. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? And Break Anchor, um I I love those guys. I, but you know, there's we've got some some substance abuse issues in in that band. So if maybe if some people can get it together, you know, that things will change and we'll play again cuz I actually love all three of those dudes. Uh but it's a little chaotic at the moment. It's on pause for now basically. Kind of on pause. Yeah, then. right. It's nothing that we're gonna say the band is over by any means. You know what I mean? That's that's not the case at all for for Break Anchor. It's just, you know, people need to maybe a little bit of time to get their lives together a little bit. You know? Yeah. Um, Traders working on a new record. We just released uh, a cover of the Specials Ghost Town. Actually, the video is just now up on YouTube. I think a couple days ago. But working on a new record with those guys, and then. Um, working on a split uh, with suicide machines and a band from Japan that are really good friends of ours called coquettish. Oh, nice. You think, you think yeah. those are both probably going to go get recorded up there too at a uh, Mark's place again? Yeah, dude, we'll probably do it. Both uh, everything up there. I, I don't foresee, I hope unless he shuts it down ever, I don't foresee recording anywhere else. No, that, that's cool. I mean, it's not, it's probably not too far away from you then either. I mean, probably not a terrible drive. No, nah, if I, if I gun it, takes me about 40 minutes if i like do 80 
Oh no. <laughs> you know, nice. 80, 85, I can get 80, 85, I can get there in like about 40 minutes. So. <laughs> it's, it's almost, it's almost to Flint, but it's just kind of off the beaten path before you get to Flint in the woods. So. Oh, nice. Nice. Man. And then I know you play, you do play guitar as well as sing in Break Anchor and the Traders as well. I was going to ask you, like, as far as live shows go, because you, you're a very energetic front man. I mean, like in Suicide Machines, you're jumping around and all that. Do you have a preference? Like, I mean, do you feel restricted when you're singing and playing guitar? Because, like, I'm just, so, oh, yeah. I've, I've seen you do both and I'm so used to seeing you run around and jumping and stuff, you know? Yeah, I, I feel very restricted, more so with the Traders because I sing so much. In that, and it's very precise playing ska and trying to sing it. Whereas I'm just banging out chords with break anchor. I can actually get loose and get crazy. The break anchor, not very much dissimilar from the machines, you know, but you know, the traders, I'm definitely anchored a bit into place, trying to make sure it sounds good. and Right. You know, for sure. Nice. Yeah. I, I was just wondering that. Cause yeah, it is. It's so, it's so different for someone like you. I mean, cause you, you definitely utilize not, you know, being the like being the front man of the suicide machines, like you you utilize that obviously. So yeah, I was just wondering that. But yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, that's the case. You're a little bit anchored behind a guitar. <laughs> but so as we're closing up here, you know, where can if you want to like give people? I mean, you you have so many different bands and whatnot. I mean, where can people find you guys like online? Your suicide machine stuff, everything else you're doing. You know, you want to kind of like just tell people all where they can go find all that stuff. <laughs> I don't know. No. <laughs> Just go Google it. Yeah, go- whatever. Google, Google that sure shit. Yeah, whatever. I'm sure you'll find it somewhere. If you know if you know the names of all my bands, then you'll be able to to find it all somewhere. I don't know. Nice. Well and and actually one more thing before I let you go too, I was gonna ask you, uh, you know, you can't tour right now, obviously. But when you guys can start playing shows again, are there any songs off Revolution Spring that you've either already thought about playing live or that you'd like to play live? <laughs> God, I want to play all of them, kind of. <laughs> hey, I want to be, you know what, like, and, and I'm not, obviously I'm not just kissing your ass saying it, but like bands, you know, they play new stuff off the album sometimes you're like, eh, whereas like this, I would honestly be stoked anything you guys played. Oh, thank you. Honestly, man, I'm I'm so content with it. And I think the other three guys are, are so content. I, I really feel like we, I don't want to bum anyone out, but I really feel like we will play a lot of this record, dude. I, I, I know people are going to be bummed. Fuck I em. get that. I get that, dude. But I, we're probably going to play a lot off the new record, you know, and, and it's just because we, I don't know, we believe in it that much, you know. It's good music. And I mean, not to mention, it's also punk. So if they don't like it, it only lasts like two minutes. It's nice and fast, yeah. you know? That's true. Yeah, we might we might end up playing something you like next. Who knows? <laughs> Well, no, this is uh, this has been a lot of fun and, uh, you know, talking a little bit about Revolution Spring here. So right now we're going to play a few songs. We're going to kick off. I I think this is my favorite. First, it was Bowling and Blue. But today I was listening to this a few hours ago, and I think this one might be my favorite off the record. So right now we're going to play Trapped in a Bomb right here on the Power Chord Hour.
Ray here on the Power Chord Hour podcast. That was the Suicide Machines with Awkward Always. And before that was my favorite song off their new record, Revolution Spring, that was trapped in a bomb. Both of those come off of Revolution Spring out now on Fat Records. Go check it out. I mean, if, if those songs didn't sell it for you, go listen to the rest of the record. I mean, that thing already one of my favorite releases of the year and I bet it stays up there you know I mean I know it's early on in the year but I don't see a whole lot touching that really really good and I mean Roger from Less Than Jake ooh, he can produce a record I gotta say one of my favorite bass players and I love Less Than Jake and uh, he is really a damn good producer I mean I, I think that album is one of the best sounding records of theirs and probably had half probably even less than half of the budget that like some of those early records did like when you think of like major label budgets and just not even you can even take that aside just what it costs to record a record back in the 90s compared to now and it's like you know it, it's crazy when you think of technology like that because it's like there's a beautiful sounding record and uh you know probably not a million dollars to produce but still sounds great so i mean that that you know also great band and like i said roger just really good knows how to make bands sound good so i want to thank jason again for uh calling in talking to us and we got another interview next week make sure you tune in i'll be talking to greg eckland former drummer of everclear he was the drummer from uh, 1994 to 2003 so he's in there for all the big years i mean he played drums on all those huge records and we're going to talk about their sophomore record and his first album with the band sparkle and fade that turns 25 this year and uh, this is when i say in depth i mean in depth we were this this was a really fun interview i mean this this one's like uh off the top of my head i don't remember the exact time but it's like two and a half hours i want to say so i mean if if you're if you're a fan of that record you're a fan of that band you're a fan of what greg does I mean, we break down everything. We go in, we go into the writing, recording, you know, like the history of the band, how he joined, you know, what he's doing now, and uh, you know, just really get in depth. So I'm really excited for that next week. So tune back in for that and stay connected with the show. We're at Power Chord Hour on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, we're on SoundCloud. We're on Spotify. And go go look us up on Spotify. I uh, I play a lot of music on our radio show, and I put up the playlist every week there, as well as some other ones. I did just put up a playlist the other day from, uh, like I mentioned earlier on in the episode, last week I did one with my top five Blink-182 songs with me and my buddy Zach and Kyle, and uh, I put all those songs that we picked in a playlist there so you can go check them all out. But yeah, we're just Power Chord Hour on there as well, so go find Power Chord Hour basically all over online, and uh, hit me up, powercordhour at gmail.com. You got song requests, you want to talk music, feedback, any of that good stuff, hit me up there. I have some Power Chord Hour pins too, I'd love to send you some for free, so you can just hit me up there for them. And uh, that's going to be the episode for tonight, and uh, or I guess day. I always, I always say tonight because the radio show we do at a 10 p.m. Eastern every Friday night. Shameless little plug is I, I can't stop plugging stuff. Um, you know, go check out the radio show too. I know everyone is stuck inside bored, so go listen to it. Friday nights, 10 Eastern. It's different from this. I spin you a bunch of punk and alternative and talk a little bit, but it's a lot more music heavy. And uh, that is on 107.9 WRFA in Jamestown, New York, every week. But you can listen to that from anywhere at uh, WRFALP.com and uh, also on the WR in the WRFA mobile app. Just go search in the app store. Just put in WRFA and you're going to find it and you can listen on there. So check that out. And uh, yeah, that is that is going to be it. But I, I shouldn't assume that you're listening to this at night. Maybe you're listening to this in, in the middle of the day. So whenever you're listening to this, thanks for listening to it. And until next week for the Power Chord Hour podcast, I'm Anthony Merchant and thanks for listening. <laughs>